to be seated. There's so many things that popped out to me as I was preparing for this text. It's just so many things that, that really stuck out. Initially, it was, it was titled um, Disabilities, uh, with the dis being separated from the abilities being crossed out. Why? Because we want to turn our disabilities into abilities. I'll get to that a little bit later on in the text. I, I, I went to the song. I went to the phase of give me more, but it just, it just felt right in my spirit just to say, you know what, today I want more. I want more. I never know. I don't know if y'all have ever experienced this uh, in your life, a situation where you want more. It kind of reminds me of my daughter, Madison. Isaiah is very simple. He's a couple of corn dogs and he's good. He doesn't need anything fancy. He doesn't want anything extra. You don't have to cook Isaiah a meal. Give him two corn dogs, put them in the microwave for a minute and he's good to go. He'll eat that and he'll move on. He'll go upstairs and he'll play. Madison, my four-year-old, she's a little different. She's a little different because she, she doesn't want the fast food. She wants the good food. She wants you to take a moment and prepare a meal. She, want, she wants you to eat the, the, the chicken, the, 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 the okra, all the good stuff. She, the stuff I wouldn't even imagine a kid would want to eat. She wants to eat. And I don't know how it is that her little frame can eat so much. I would fix her a plate that I would think would be enough for her, and then she would turn around, and after eating all that up, I've ate my food, I'm full, I'm sitting down, I'm ready to watch TV, and all of a sudden I hear this little chipmunk boy, uh, chipmunk voice saying, Daddy, more. I'm like, Madison, what do you mean you want more? More of what? What do, what do you want more of? I want more of everything. Maddie, you want some mashed potatoes, you want some corn, you want some chicken fried steak, you want... All of that on your plate again. She would literally be like, look at her. She's shaking her head now. I, I want more. That's what she wants. She, she has an appetite for more. She says, Daddy, I know what you've brought me, and it may have seemed good enough to you, but I believe that you can bring me more. I believe that you can bring me more because you are my father. I believe that you can bring me more because I saw you when you cooked it. I know what's in the kitchen. Matter of fact, it was just yesterday we were out to eat, and um, I was celebrating with a friend of mine, celebrating their birthday, and uh, I was eating. I love stuffed crabs from, from Papa Do's. They have the stuffed crabs. It's like dressing inside of the crab, and I love to eat that out of there. I didn't think Maddie would want that, and so I ate my stuffed crab. I left a little bit in there, and I gave her some, and I didn't have enough for her to satisfy her, and she literally stood there with me and said, I want more. And I had to debate with myself, am I going to buy a whole nother crab or am I just going to scrape this crab out and give her everything I have and let her know that this is all I have? And so I sat there and I scraped it out and gave her everything I had and she knew that it was all I had. And she was content because she knew that it was all that I had to give her. But she has a desire to want more. Have you ever lived in your life with a desire in some point in your life to know that I'm thankful for what I have, but I feel like there's more that I should be getting? I feel like there's more that I should receive. Matter of fact, I feel like somebody owes me more. That there's something more that I want to attain out of life than just what I'm going through. There's something more I want to experience in my relationship than what I'm going through. There's something more that I want to experience on my job than what I'm going through. Something more that I want to experience with my finances. Something more that I want to experience with my health. Something more is out there for me. My prayer is that when we leave here today, you leave here with a desire to want more. My hope is that through this message, I equip you with the understanding that you can receive more. Why can we receive more? Because God has more for us than we could ever want for ourselves. 
God has much more for us than we could possibly ever want for ourselves. Here it is, the Sunday of Pentecost, Pentecost Sunday, uh, which we know that because we've already looked at Acts chapter 2. We knew what took place on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came and moved like a, a strong wind of fire through the people. People were speaking in all types of tongues. They could understand each other when they couldn't understand each other before. The Bible says that because of that, what? Simon Peter stood up and he commanded that, that people listen to him because people were trying to write off this experience. They were just trying to say, oh, people were drunk. This is nothing. This is not the act of God. But what literally happened? They sat there and, they, and, and what took place is that he said, no, remember what the prophet Joel said. Remember that he said all of these things were going to take place. Remember that he said this day was going to happen. Do you forget that Jesus Christ was already prophesied to us, that he has died, he has transcended, and it's because of that that you're here. It's because of that that you're here in the first place and you're going through what you're going through. After Simon Peter spoke to them, preached his first message to them, and this was very peculiar for Simon because we know Simon, even though he was the one that the church was supposed to be built on, he was the hard-head one. When Jesus told him to go share the gospel, he went fishing. When Jesus told him that he had to be crucified, he wanted to fight. When people came to take Jesus, he cut out people. He was always the one that was rebelling against what had to happen. But yet and still, God says, even though you're rebellious, you still have my heart. Even though you're rebellious on you, I will build my church. And this text in Acts chapter 2 is what brings that to life for me because the Bible says that 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom. I now see why Jesus said, on you, I will build my church. Essentially, the first church after Jesus Christ's resurrection is now being formed in Acts chapter 2. And we learned what? That they devoted themselves. That church was so strong, so powerful, not only because they gave their life to Christ, but they devoted themselves to four key principles. I like to call them the corners of the church, the pillars of the church. They devoted themselves to the teaching. This is why we put the 90-day challenge out for us to be dedicated to coming to church for 90 days. They say if you can do anything for 60 days, it becomes a habit. So we wanted to push that and push it for 90 days. If we can get people to be consistent in coming to church for 90 days, and especially with us moving locations, uh, people fall by the wayside. It's our responsibility to reach out to our brothers and sisters and encourage them, listen, I need you to be here. You have a responsibility to be here for the next 90 days. Why? Because we want this to get into our system. It has become acceptable in our society for people to come to church once a month. It's, become, it's the norm. They're saying an average member comes to church at least once a month, and that's the norm. For me, that's a visitor. A member is somebody who is dedicated. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 they were dedicated to the teaching. What does that mean? It means I want to eat that just as much as I want a steak. I want to feast on the word of God just as, as much as I want my supreme nachos. I, I, I want that just as much as I want my barbecue. I was devoted to the teaching. Brother Mike laughed at me yesterday. We were riding around, and uh, I said, hey, man, when are we going to stop to get something to eat? He was like, what are you going to get to eat? I said, barbecue. He says, is that all that you eat? Literally, I can eat the barbecue every day. I am devoted to barbecue. After the barbecue, then we go to seafood. But I am devoted to barbecue. And I can only imagine, if I can take the same level of devotion that I have to barbecue and apply it to the Word of God, I believe that some amazing things can happen in my life. What are you devoted to in your life possibly more than you're devoted to God? Are you devoted to Facebook more than you're devoted to, to God's Word? If you are, could you imagine flipping that devotion 
and seeing the impact that you can have, that you can have in your life. I believe that oftentimes we don't experience the greatness of God because we aren't devoted to God. It's not that God is not doing miracles. It's not that God is not healing people. It's not that God is not recovering sight to the blind. It's not that God is not healing the cripple. It's true. If it's in the Bible, he did it then and he can still do it now. But the question is, are we believing? Or is our faith strong enough? And if it is, are we really devoted to it? So the Bible says that Acts chapter 2, this first church, they were devoted to the teaching. After they were devoted to the teaching, then it said they were devoted to the fellowship. This is why we assemble. This is our, our fellowship, fellowship family. The Cornelio, we're here together. We're not here just to, to sit here and eat nachos and hot dogs. That's not a fellowship playing in bounce houses. That's a good time. That's an outreach. But a fellowship is knowing that I have a place to go to that can encourage me when I'm down. A place that I can go to that can lift me up, that can pour into me, and I can always also pour into somewhere else. This is what the fellowship was all about. This was a family. But why do we have a problem with fellowship in church today? Because we are so busy talking about people that we can't talk to people. We're so busy wanting to push people down that we can't lift people up. This is what we have to get back to as a church, as a fellowship. Not the gospel, not the gossip, but the gospel. Carrying out God's will amongst one another. They were devoted to the teaching. They were devoted to the fellowship. And then what? They were devoted to the breaking bread. Yeah, I said it. They were devoted to giving. It's so hard to talk about giving in church because everybody thinks that the pastor is taking all the money and he's buying big fancy cars and big houses and everybody else is living in poverty. That's, that's not the case. That, that's especially not the case here. Uh, but the truth of the matter is that they were devoted to giving because of the fact that it's what God wanted them to do. This is what God wanted them to do. And God told them, listen, if you can do what I'm asking you to do, watch, won't I bless you? God doesn't have to send manna from heaven anymore. He has people. He doesn't have us stuck in the wilderness anymore. We, we are together. So if God wants to provide for his ministry, he will use his men. He will use his people. And I'm not just saying men as in a gender, but men as in mankind. He will use his people to fulfill his will. The question is, are you willing to be used by God? Are you devoted enough to God to allow yourself to be used by God? Or are you selfish and devoted to yourself? Not only were they devoted to the teaching, not only were they devoted to the breaking bread, not only were they devoted to fellowship, but we learned that the fourth principle and probably the most powerful is principle of them all, they were devoted to prayer. This is essentially what a lot of our churches are failing. We, we are saying good stuff. We sound good. But are we really praying? I want to let you know something. Even though we have corporate type of prayer, real prayer takes place in your private time. Real prayer takes place in your communication with God when nobody else is looking. When you, when you are by yourself and you really have to cry out to God and say, God, this is what I'm going through. This is what I need your help with. And this is what we learned last week, folks. We learned that there's a difference between pouting and praying. There's a big difference between pouting and praying. We're not going to run around and, and pout and complain about everything that we're going through, just throwing things in the atmosphere, expecting God to do something about it. The, prayer, the Bible showed us that prayer is very intentional. Prayer is very intentional. And, and when we pray, we have to go to God in prayer and what? Supplication. When we're supplicating through prayer, that means that we're making our requests known to God. In order to make your requests known to God, you got to know your problem first. You have to know your problem so that you can turn around and share that with God. But catch this. This is what I love because you don't just get to go to God with your problem. You have to go to God with your praise. 
Bible says through prayer and supplication, make your quest be made known to God. But in all things, what? Thanksgiving. You have to be willing to go to God with your praise. And all of this leads us up to this ninth hour where John and Peter are going up to the temple to pray. This is what they're doing. They're going to the temple to pray. There's a man there that has been crippled, that has been physically disabled since birth. Pastor, why are you stressing that? Because I want to make sure that you understand this is not a metaphoric healing that's taking place in the Bible. This is a true physical healing that's taking place in the Bible. This is God doing something about the problem that the person is going through. And he's sitting there and he's been crippled. And the Bible says he's been so jacked up for years that he's caused himself to become dependent on people. People carried him to the temple every day. Every day. Everybody say every day. Carried him to the temple every day. But catch this. Instead of taking him into the temple and praying, guess what they did? They set him at the gate of the temple. They set him at the gate called Beautiful. They, they didn't take him inside the temple to pray with everybody else. They set him at the gate. Why? So that he can sit there with his hand out begging people for help. Because of his issue, because of his disability, they felt like all you need to do is sit here and beg people for help. This is how you're going to make your money. This is how you're going to make your living. You're going to look for sympathy from people. You're going to beg people from help. The problem is on this day, he came across the wrong too. Because the disciples were going up to the temple and praying. I could just imagine Simon Peter and the cockiness about himself. I just won 3,000 souls to the kingdom. You can't tell me nothing. I know Jesus can do it. Oh, he can make anything happen, uh, and, and I'm going to be the first one to let you know. And so he walks up to the temple. He's just taking a stroll. He's excited. He's going in there to worship. He got his believers, and he's going in there to pray, and he gets there, and this man is sitting there, and the Bible says that this man, without even looking up to him, this man sits there, and he says to him, can you, can you give me something? The Bible says he was re requesting alms. He was requesting charity. Can you give me Something. How many times have you drove on the street and somebody comes to your car and they won't even look you in the face and they're, they're asking for something? They're asking for something. They, they just they don't want to look you in the eye, but they, 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 want, they want your help for whatever they're going through. The Bible says that Simon Peter and them, they, they wasn't trying to hear it. John wasn't trying to hear it. The Bible says they looked him in his face and they said, look at me. Told him to look at me right then and there. As we move through the text, what we find out is that, that he says to him, listen, I don't have any gold or silver to give you. He looks the man in his face and he says, I know that you want money from me. I know that you want charity from me, but I have no gold, no silver to give you. But what I do have, I will give you. What I do have, I will give you. The Bible says that he took, Simon Peter took him by his hand and he commanded that he walk. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he commanded that day right then and there that he get up and walk. The Bible says that somehow his ankles gained strength. Y'all don't believe me. It's in the text. The Bible says somehow his ankles gained strength. They became sturdy. They became strong. And guess what happened? The man didn't just get up. The Bible says he leaped up. And he leaped up and, and he began to walk. Later on in the text, as we push through Acts chapter 3, we'll talk about it. He was still dependent on, on the disciples to carry him. We're going to deal with that next Sunday. But I, what I want to deal with the fact of the matter is he asked for money but ended up with more. 
That's what I want to deal with today. Pastor, why do you want to deal with that? Because I believe that some of us are so busy asking God for things that is not what God wants to give us, and God has much more for us. And catch this, the reason why we're not benefiting or receiving what God has for us is because we're limiting what God wants to do because we're only seeking what we want and not what God wants. Catch this, do I, did I ever expect the light to be in Red Oak, Texas? Did I ever expect us to transition to move like this? Did I ever expect for us to lose 45% of our membership just because we moved 10 miles down the road? That's not what I expected. But guess what? If God sent us here, it's for a purpose. And obviously that God can say, you know what? I can fix whatever's been broken. I can strengthen whatever's been broken. I can put back together whatever's been broken. I believe that there's some people in this building today that's been seeking for things from God. It could be your marriage. It could be your, your relationship. It could be your finances. It could be your job. It could be your health. It could be your healing. Whatever it is, you've been seeking for things from God. The thing is that you've been asking for what you want and not seeking what God has for you. This is the problem with the young man in the text. He was this way from birth, and he had become okay with being this way. And so what he does, he tries to find something that will help him live life the way he is instead of living the life how God wants him to live. He begins to make a compromise. If I'm going to be this way, at least I'm going to make the best of it. I'm just going to take this little bit I have. He settles for people not taking him in the gate and praying and leaving him at the gate to beg. This is the life that he has settled for. I want to make sure that you understand, as believers, we don't have the opportunity to settle. We don't get to settle for anything. We don't get to compromise. God has a plan, and his plan is the final answer. That's what we should be seeking. The Bible tells you what? Seek ye first who? The kingdom of God. And what? All his righteousness shall be what? Added unto you. That's what the Bible says. So why is it seeking? Why are we seeking our ways first? I, don't, I know too many people that says, you know what, God, I will start tithing if you give me a raise. What type of God do you think you're playing with? If God's principle is for you to give through tithes and offering, why don't you give what you got and allow God to what? open? Because his word says, if you give, I'll do what? Open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. for. So you're asking God to rewrite his word. So what you really wanted to say is, I'm going to open up the windows of heaven first, pour out a blessing for you, and then you can pay me your tithes and offering. That's not what the Bible says. You cannot take away or add to the scripture. Far too many times in our lives, we're trying to put the cart before the horse. We're trying to put so many things before the way that God, God has given us a strategic place and a, a way to operate. If you don't believe that God is strategic, go to Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 and you see how he put the earth together in seven days. He was very strategic. He didn't just say earth come together. He had a plan. On this day, I want this. On this day, I want this. On this day, I want that. All of it was for what he was creating on day six. And then he said, you know what? I don't just want six days. I want seven because I want to sit back and enjoy what I've created. God is very intentional. And so if we know that God is intentional in every other aspect of life, why can't you believe that he's intentional in your life? Why can't you believe that he has a plan for you? What makes you an exception to the rule that you don't believe that God can manifest itself in your life and transform your bad days into good days, your bad relationships into good relationships, your bad job into a good job? What makes you think that God cannot work on your behalf? 
This is the problem with this man in the text. He's there. Believers were bringing him up, dropping him off. And as he's sitting there, he's just settling for begging. He's so close to being in a place where he can receive his healing, but he's not seeking healing. He's just receiving. He's looking for help. Some of us are not looking for healing in our life. We're just looking for help. My prayer is that when you leave here today, that you go home and get your social media network and you hashtag, I want more, like crazy. I mean, in every aspect of your life, make a list and everything that's going wrong, everything that don't look right, everything that you're expecting to happen in your life, just I want more. Whatever it is that God has for me, we've been declaring that this is the year of greater for us. Greater is waiting. I want to tell you something. Greater ain't waiting no more. Greater is now. Greater is now. The question is, are you going to walk in to what God has for you? So, Pastor, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to understand? I want to help you get more. There's no reason for me to pump you up and help you understand that God has more for you, that God wants to do more for you, that God can do more in your marriage, your job, your finances. All of There's no reason for me to encourage you and get you crunk all about this and fired up, and I don't show you how to get it. I want to show you how to get it, and it's in the text. The first thing that I want to make sure that you understand and believe is that more begins with prayer. More begins with prayer. Pastor, what are you saying? We just talked about last week how important prayer was for our lives. Some of us are missing the component of prayer, and as a result of us missing the component of prayer, we're not in a position to communicate properly with God about what we're going through so that we can open up those doors, so that we can get God to open up those doors and those channels to make things happen on our behalf. We aren't praying to God. We're pouting to God, but we aren't praying. Pastor, why do you say that, that more begins with prayer? Because when we look at Acts chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, when you take a time, make a note, write it down. The first thing that happens is that the disciples are headed to the temple to do what? Pray. Before any healing takes place, before anything else happens, they are going to a place where they can do what? Pray. The man that's crippled, he's being seated at the gate, the beautiful gate, uh, the place which is known as a place of what? Prayer. He is there. I want to make sure that you understand your more in your life, your breakthrough, your transformation, whatever it is that you're expecting God to do, whatever it is that you want to happen, it begins with prayer. Prayer is essential to change. This is why the old saints used to say, uh, much prayer, much power, little prayer, little power, no prayer, no power. A bunch of us are walking around here as looking like a bunch of powerless superheroes because of the fact of the matter is that we're not using the one weapon that we're supposed to have, which is what? Prayer. Here it is, Jesus Christ has given his life so that we can have everlasting life, just so that we can be found in good graces, right communication with God, and now we don't even want to communicate with God. I'm not talking about these, these little bitty prayers like the grace, God is good, God is great, let us thank him for this plate, by his hands we must be fed, give us Lord our day. Not that, not that little repetitious stuff. I'm not talking about now lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep, if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to I'm not, not, not that, that, that's, that's just meaningless repetition. It's good to the kids because it, it ministers to their heart, that gives them an understanding. But if you're an adult and you're still doing that, then what are you doing? You're doing a bunch of meaningless repetition. When was the last time that you actually found yourself? I love my wife for this because she made a prayer corner. We, we made too much noise in our house and she made her a little prayer closet where it's just her space. Now it was my storage closet and I come home one day and all my stuff is just put in the garage and she got pillows and candles all up in her prayer closet and everything and I go in her peekaboo and this little list and everything I, I'm scared to go in there because it's just so much prayer in that place it's her it's her 
room. It's her place of prayer. And, and no matter what, the kids know she put a little do not disturb sign on the door and everything. That's her prayer closet. That's, that's what she do. I won't tell her when she hears, so I got to tell her. I'll sneak in there every once in a while because I, I just need to roll up her power a little bit. Let me, let me roll off some of your prayer power a little bit. But the fact of the matter is that she's so dedicated to prayer. And my wife will tell you, I tell her all the time because she has a bad habit of praying on me uh, when something don't go her way or when I don't want to do something that she wants me to do. And she just goes to the Lord and she prays a praise about it. And every once in a while, I end up calling her uh, out of the blue. And I'm like, hey, are you praying on me right now? Just because I have this feeling like all of a sudden my mind then changed about something. And, and I just honestly believe that I'm married to a real prayer warrior. I, I'm, I'm honestly believing that, through my, that God hears my wife's prayers. So oftentimes, guess what happened? I pray, but because I don't think I pray as good as her, I will go to her and say, baby, can you pray for this for me? I, I need this to happen. Uh, and just because I know he's going to hear your prayer. I know there's something about the way that you communicate. You might have it better than I do, but I, I just need you to write this on your list as you begin to pray. And then she, she whack like one of them real holy, sanctified Christians. She comes to, well, if it's the Lord's will. And I'm like, what? I, no, I gave you a, a direct order. Pray for this. This is what I want to happen. If it's the Lord's will, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all other righteousness shall be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Everything that you should do should begin with prayer. Before you start your job, before you start working on your job, start your day with prayer. Imagine if you started your day with prayer and surrendering everything that you have, giving it unto God, how God can just shift and change and mold some things. If you've ever been a real prayer ever in your life and you prayed about something and you was at that low point where everything was going to fall apart, if you didn't pray about this and you prayed about it and things just seemed to fall right into place and everything started to happen and you got so happy about it, but the problem is you got so happy about it that you forgot the next day to pray and that prayer is what changed it and worked. See, you should think and understand that prayer is the one thing that is bailing you out of these situations. I've seen this thing on, on, uh, on Facebook, and y'all know, Pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm getting serious about trying to lose this weight. I'm getting serious. I'm going to find a place that got low-fat barbecue, and, and we're going to keep, we're going to make this thing happen. I'm getting serious about trying to lose this weight. They have this new thing going around on social media where people are drinking apple cider vinegar. They have this thing, people are drinking apple cider vinegar, and they're saying that they're transforming this fast. They're losing this much weight, and they're gaining this much weight. And I'm just like, you know, I want somebody I know to take it and do it, because I'll do it if it works. If I ain't got to work out and I can eat what I want to eat and just drink apple cider vinegar, I, I'm fine. I do whatever I need to do if it's, if it's really work. I see Sister Robin, they testify. Uh, Rita, you, you getting it too? See, that, well, listen, I deal with some nasty to get fine. I'm sorry. I do whatever, whatever I got to do just to get right. But detect it. This is what's happening. This is what's happening. So it's a process that works. So if y'all prove to me the process works, how much of a fool am I for not doing the process? Yeah, it might be a little nasty, it might be a little distasteful, but if it gets the results that I'm looking for, then what? I should do it. Yes, prayer is not easy. Yes, prayer uh, takes up your time. You have to get off of social media. You can't be texting. Yes, prayer is difficult because the enemy is trying to distract you while you're praying. But if you know prayer works, why stop working it? Why stop using it? My dad growing up, he was addicted to Phillips 66. I don't know what it was about that gas. It was Phillips 66 gas station. It's his favorite gas station. I, I, don't, I don't know what he's doing nowadays because ain't too many Phillips 66s around anymore. But it was like any time he wanted to get gas, it would be a 7-Eleven right around the corner from our house. He would leave and pass that 7-Eleven 
to go to Philip 66. It was something that he knew about the Philip 66 fuel or the way that the individual treated him there. Whatever it was, it, it worked. And as a result of it working, he never had a problem with his vehicles. So guess what he did? He stayed there. He was dedicated to what works. My prayer is that you become dedicated to what works. If prayer is working, which prayer will work, you become dedicated to understanding that prayer can change anything and everything in your life. What does it mean? More begins with prayer. Say it with me. More begins with prayer. It's that simple. If you want more to take place in your life, start praying more. If you want to see more happen in your life, the first thing that you have to do is start praying more. Second principle, second principle to take with you is not only understanding that more begins with prayer, but more requires more from you. This is where many of us fail to receive more. We know that God can do more. We know that we want more, but we fail to understand that more requires more from us. Catch this. Go to uh, verse 3 through 5, Acts chapter 3. I want to read this to you. Acts chapter 3, verse 3 through 5. Verse 3 through 5 says these things. When he saw Peter and John, these are the disciples that was present uh, when they walk up to the gate, about to go into the temple. So he saw them about to go into the temple. He began asking to receive alms. He wanted money from them. Verse 4, but Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, this is Peter talking, look at us. This is the command. He gives a command to this man at the gate. The man had obviously saw them entering the gate. So that means at one point in time, his eyes was on him. But now he plays this game and he holds his head down and he's asking for money. Can you help me? You ever notice, y'all might not have seen it. Y'all might not have stayed around long. Our church used to be in Oak Cliff. Our church used to be in Oak Cliff. Uh, there's a particular corner uh, at, at Polk and uh, 67, southbound side. Poking 67, there's a fox view on the right side. Th this corner is a hot corner for help. This is the help corner. Anytime somebody wants to get some change, they stand on that corner, they shake their cup, they get some change. Something's going to happen. They know that this light holds people for a long time. So all, they got enough time to bob and weave out of traffic. So one day I was on this corner. I was coming down this corner. And I mean, that's just the truth. And one day I was on this corner and a guy, he, he came up and he was limping. He was, he was limping. He was just limping like a poor little hurt dog. And he was just there and he was asking for money. And I felt bad. And I literally took, y'all know how y'all had that ashtray full of change. And you just grabbed the whole ashtray. I just took the whole thing, took my stuff out of the I needed and just dumped it in his cup. I wanted to be a blessing for him. And I just said, man, you know what? I want to pray for you. God bless you. Everything is good. And so I gave him a chance. He was like, man, thank you so much. Cool. And so he, he was just doing his little limp along thing, going to the next car, trying to weave in and out. And so I went to the church. The church was right up the hill. I went to the church. And by the time I got to church, my gas light came on. So I wanted to go back to Fox Fuel. So catch this. I'll make a U-turn and go back to Fox Fuel. Now catch this. This guy that was limping all of a sudden was scooting. He was good. He, he was good. He had, he had met his quota, and he was, he was off to the races. I was like, man, you got me. So what I'm saying is this is the same scam. Ain't nothing new. Same scam that was going on here. This man is crippled. He sees them coming, but he holds his head down. Oh, woe is me. I need your help. Somebody help me. I'm, I'm broken. I'm I'm desperate. Help me. Somebody help me. What happens is Peter says, listen, man, quit playing me. Look at me. He requires him to do more than he's accustomed to doing. See, he's used to just 
doing this and getting what he wants. But Peter says, no, today, if you want more, you're going to have to look at me. There's something that's very important that I need to tell you. You have to look. And the Bible says the only, it goes into the next verse, and it says in verse 5, and he, and he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. The only reason he looked at them is because he was expecting to receive something. What was that something? Money or food. That's the only reason he looked at them was to expect to receive something from them. I want you to understand something. In this situation, he's had to do something that he normally wouldn't do. He had to look them in the face. This is something he wouldn't normally do. Pastor, what are you trying to tell us? If you want more, it's going to require you to do something that you wouldn't normally do. Some of us have been trying to do things and get more our way. And the thing is that now we're trying to still do it our way but attach God's name to it. If you really want to see, receive what God has for you, it's going to require you to do more. It's going to require you to do things you normally wouldn't do. Pastor, what are you saying? If I can be honest with you, if you're trying to get a husband and you're doing all the wrong things all the wrong way and you know what those things are, then maybe you should change up what you're doing. I mean, if the end goal is a husband and, and it hadn't been working for this four or five years, maybe something needs to change. If you're looking to make more money on your job and you want to receive something from God uh, on your place of appointment, maybe you need to stop being late. Maybe you need to show up on time. Maybe you need to stop having a bad attitude. Sometimes our more is attached to a simple change. A change in our attitude, a change in our behavior, a change in the way that we function in our everyday life. Catch this. He's not the only one. We are the ones, we are just like him sometimes in our lives, walking around and expecting somebody to give us more just because we're suffering. Well, it's an hour drive for me to get here, Pastor. You just got to forgive me, accept the fact that I'm late. No, it's very disrespectful for you to be late. Uh, we intentionally plan to be here at 8.30 to prepare for you, and you can't even be here at 10.30. You got people that get ready to prepare two hours. I'm not complaining. I'm just telling y'all. People just, you think about, you have a group of men. You have a group of men which have dedicated themselves to setting up your church for you to worship in every Sunday at 8.30. They are dedicated to getting here at 8.30. Not even just grown men. We even got young men that get picked up at 8 o'clock in the morning to get here to make sure that you have a place to worship. And I want you to understand something, how discouraging it could be and disrespectful it could be to those individuals who labor and sacrifice for you to worship when you can't even show up on time. You, you, you're worried about, man, I didn't really get nothing out of service. You missed half of it. And if you do it to church, I know you do it to work. If you do it to church, I know you do it in your private time with your family and your friends. You probably do it with your spouses. So I promise you, if you find an area of your life where there's conflict, and if this is really what God has for you, the reason why you're not experiencing what God wants you to do, because you're not devoted to it. You're not giving it your all. You're not invested in it 100%. And as a result of it, you're doing the same things over and over. And guess what you do? You get the same results. If I'm not mistaken, that's the definition of insanity. To continue to do the same thing over and over and get the same results. I was watching a TV show the other day with this little mouse. You know how they have the little mouses that run into the, the little bitty things, the little whatever, mouse, mouse house, whatever it is. They just run in a circle. And I just looked at that mouse and I was wondering, does he really think he's going somewhere? Or is he just having fun running in a circle? 
I never seen a mouse in a free run in a circle. I never seen a mouse. We, my, my house that I grew up in in Pleasant Grove, we had a field and we had a bunch of little field mice and they would never run in a circle. They would run, they were trying to get somewhere. They were not trying to just, just run in a circle. So why is this mouse running in a circle? Is it possibly that he's doing the same thing, expecting to get somewhere else? He's feeling just because he's going faster, just because he's in motion, he's getting somewhere else? Sometimes we're in motion in our lives, but we're not making any progress. We're not moving anywhere. We're just going through the motions. We have to get to a point where we stop just going through the motions and we begin to make a movement. That we begin to allow God to make a movement in our lives so that we can get to where we need it to be. The first movement that this young man made in the text is that he opened and fixed his gaze on the disciples. More is going to require you to do more. Pastor, you want to lose weight? They ain't going to never make no low-fat barbecue. You're going to have to start running. It's going to require me to do more. Even if I don't want to work out more, I'm going to have to take more pills. I'm going to have to do something. If, if, if I want my health to get to where I need it to be, I'm going to have to do more. If I'm not willing to get, do more than what I have to do, settle for the less. I have to settle for the less. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of settling in my life. I'm tired of settling for less than what God has for me. I'm ready to walk into everything that God has for me. I want my more. And so I understand that more is going to require me to do more than I normally do. Catch this. This is the third principle. Third principle, a great and powerful principle. I need you to write it down, take a note, have it in your head, whatever you got to do. More, more, and, and this is real good, is the answer to an issue, not an excuse. I need you to understand that. More is the answer to an issue and not an excuse. Pastor, what is the difference? An issue is the problem. An excuse is what you say about the problem, what you have made yourself believe about the problem. What was the man's issue in the text? He has been paralyzed since when? Birth. What was his excuse? Because I've been paralyzed since birth, I can't work, so I need somebody to give me something. That's his excuse. I need somebody to give me something. When he comes to these disciples, these true men of God that's truly trying to do something in his life, he comes to them and he says, I need you to give me something because of the fact that I've been paralyzed since birth. He makes an excuse for his situation and he expects to receive an answer for it. More answers the issue, not the excuse. Pastor, what are you trying to say? Uh, I'm tired of people making excuses about their life and the situation that they're in and expecting something to happen about it. God's answer is to fix your issue, your problem, not your excuse. God didn't give you the excuse. You made an excuse of yourself. But if you have an issue, a problem, that's something that God can solve. Why do you say that, Pastor? Well, when you look in the text, verse 6 and verse 7, the Bible says, but Peter said what? I do not possess silver and gold. But what I do have, I will give you. What, why does Peter have to make that statement to him? I do not possess silver and gold. Why does he have to say that? He has to say that because his excuse is looking for temporary satisfaction. Money is going to run out. His excuse is looking for what's going to make him feel good in the moment. His excuse is going to satisfy his need for right then. I need y'all to catch this. Your excuses are only temporary, going to bring you temporary satisfaction. You, you, you know the, the times where 
you need help. Uh, uh, some of you may have been in college or, or going through things or maybe not even been in college, but you mismanage your money and you ask mom and daddy for help and they help you a little bit, but you never fix the managing your money situation. And as a result of it, the next week you needed more money and you go to mom and dad and they're like, no, I'm not giving you anything. I just gave you something last week. Why? Because they fixed your excuse. They didn't fix your issue. Your issue was that you didn't know how to manage your money. Your excuse was that because I ran out of money, Daddy, I need your help. We got to stop expecting God to give us temporary band-aids, solutions to our problems. God is not trying to fix your life temporarily. He's trying to fix your life completely. He's trying to make you totally whole. This is why the disciple says to him, the disciple says, listen, I don't have a dime to give you. I don't have any money to give you. But what I do have, I'm going to give it all to you. What does he have? He has the word and the power of God. And so the Bible says that in the text, and seizing him by the hand, he grabs his hand. He grabs his hand, and he says he, he seized him by the, the right hand. I love how the Bible is intended. He gives the man the right hand of fellowship. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you into this with me. You're going to be my brother. Let me, let me lock in with you. He sees him by the right hand and what? He raised him up and immediately his, his feet and his ankles were strengthened. Did he have to wait on his healing? No. It took place right then and right there. Was this healing a result of his faith? No, the Bible didn't say that. This is not an opportunity. This is not a time where your faith has made you whole. But it was a result of whose faith? Peter's faith. Because Peter says, I don't have anything to give you, but I'm going to give you the best thing that I could possibly ever give you. I'm going to give you God. And what God does to people is God makes them whole. The only thing that this man was missing is that he's been lame this whole time. But God gives him an opportunity to become whole. Why? Because of the faith of the one who called upon him. Even Jesus himself, when Jesus was speaking to people and people were, were going through issues, they were disabled, they were broken, and, and he would always ask them, listen, do you want to be made whole? Do you believe you can be made whole? Because of your faith, you will be made whole. Because of your faith, we have to be able to apply faith to these principles within our lives to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to make this happen because I believe that God can get it done. This is going to take place in my life because I believe that God will do it. He grabs him by the hand with confidence. He pulls him up, and the Bible says immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthening. I believe there's some things in your life that if you link up with the right people and not the wrong people, and that you connect through prayer, that you connect through preparation, that you, that you commit yourself to the process, that you will see in your life things change immediately. I don't think we have to wait on healings. I don't think we have to wait on breakthroughs. I don't think we have to wait on any of these things to take place in our life. We just have to have the faith that God can do it and walk through it. I want, I want you to understand, Peter gives him the right hand of fellowship. Before then, he was fellowshipping with people who were good enough to carry him, but it was also good enough to leave him. They would carry him to the gate and leave him there. See, sometimes you got to change some of the people that you're hanging around. Just because some people are helping you don't mean that they're, they're helpful for you. You have to find the right people that are supposed to be in your life. Some people are only with you because of what they can get from you. 
You think he wasn't giving and sharing money with alms and people, with the people who was carrying him? It was a reason that they were bringing them to the gate. Some people are only leached and latched and attached to you simply because of the fact of what they're getting from you. Catch this. Stop letting people use you because when you allow people to use you, you reduce the possibility of you receiving your more. By putting yourself in the wrong circle of people, people who are there to sit you down instead of lift you up, you are putting yourself in a position where you are remaining dependent on the people instead of God's power. Simon Peter says, I don't want you to be, remain, I don't want you to be dependent on the people anymore. I want you to be dependent on God's power. As a result of that, I can't give you any money, but let me give you what I can give you. The Bible shows us clearly within the text that If you really want to experience God's power, if you really want to experience transformation, if you really want to unlock the more in your life, then the first thing is is that you need to start with prayer. Whatever your problem is, not your excuse, whatever your issue is, you need to be willing to take that issue to God through prayer. Secondly, once you take that issue to God through prayer, you have to get yourself in a position where you understand that more is going to require more from you. There are some things that you do that's going to have to change. You're going to have to work harder. Yes, it's going to be painful, but you're going to have to push through it. Whatever it is, you're going to have to push through it just so that you can receive whatever God wants from you. Does your miracle look like my miracle? No. Is your miracle going to come as easy as my miracle? No. Is your breakthrough is going to be as simple as mine? No. But guess what? It's still there. You just have to have the desire to push through, not to allow anything to detour you. What you have to understand is the enemy is steady fighting against us. Every time we take a step forward, he's trying to pull us back. You have to realize that, that every time you take a step forward, the enemy is trying to pull you back. And the quicker you realize that, the more, the more you stop allowing the enemy to pull you back. The more you stop giving in to him pulling you back. You know what's behind you is not what's best for you. If it was, you wouldn't have left it in the first place. You know that you should press forward towards the the mark of the high calling, what God has asked you to do. This is what you're supposed to do is pushing forward. So your desire is to constantly what? Go forward. Stop falling back. More is going to require more from you. Not only do we understand that, but we understand That more is about fixing our issues, not our excuses. Stop making excuses why your life is how it is. Identify the problem, and let's be honest about that problem so that we can fix that problem. There's nothing that God can't fix. We just have to be willing to have faith and trust in God so that we can fix it. This is the last thing I'm going to tell you, man, and this is what makes me so excited. Verse 8 of this text. I don't know why I closed my Bible. I like to leave my Bible open. Verse 8 of this text. I'm going to read this to you. Before I give you my next point, verse 8 of Acts chapter 3, my favorite part of the text. After the man has been healed, after his feet has been strengthened, he stood to his feet. This is what happens in verse 8. The Bible says he leaps. With a leap, he stood upright. Man, so you're telling me this guy's been slouched over the whole time. He's been crippled. He's, he's been, but he leaps up and he stands upright. Back straight, focused, full of authority, full of confidence, shoulders in position, chest out. He leaps up and he stands upright and begins to walk. 
Catch this. When he got healed, he didn't walk home. The text says that when he leaped up, he stood upright and he began to walk. Catch what he did. He entered the temple with them. Why is it when God fixes our problems that instead of staying in the house, we go somewhere else? I can't tell you how many members I had before income tax season. One income tax season came, it seemed like we lost 50 people just because their money problems got right. Give them until July. Cars start getting repoed, not, not wishing any bad. We'll see them again. They'll come on back, and we're going to love them. We're going to love them the same. But this time we need to encourage them. Don't leave God when he helps you. Because whatever is the reason that he blessed you, if you stay connected to it, then maybe, just maybe, you can keep receiving those type of blessings. This man, instead of going home and saying, oh, thank y'all, God bless y'all, he walks into the temple. The Bible says when he, when he walks into the temple with them, he didn't, he didn't lead the disciples. He didn't go find his friends that lifted him up. He walked into the temple with them. Them who? Them who? helped him. I ain't going to even get on that. That's a whole nother message. I know some parents going to bring their kids for that one. How you, how you will be friends with those who don't help you, but mistreat and disrespect the exact people who do help you. Can, I, I just got to hold that for a good, we might preach that fathers. I'm going I'm to I'm help the fathers out a little bit. How you would love somebody who leaves you, but you won't love somebody who would lay down their life for you. He stays with the disciple. He enters with them. Because what? This is where he received his healing. He enters with them. And this is the part that I love. This is what I got. This is the part that makes me so happy. He was walking and leaping and praising God. What's the point, Pastor? What are you trying to tell us? More deserves a praise from you. That's my last thing. More deserves a praise from you. You. If God is doing more in your life, then he deserves the praise. He deserves for you to walk out the life that he's asking you to walk, to leap into situations where people can look at you and say, what's wrong with you? And you can say, I'm leaping because God has made me whole. My feet were broken, but God has somehow fixed them. My bank account was empty, but somehow God has made it feel. My marriage was destroyed, but somehow God brought that thing back together. Whatever it is that I was going through, whatever it is that was broken in my life, I'm willing to leap for joy and praise. Why? Because of the fact that I need other people to understand that the reason I am who I am and where I am is not because I did it, but because God did it. Because God did everything in my life. Here it is. He walks in the temple. He leaps through the temple. He's jumping for joy. He's, he's praising. He's demanding the attention of the people. And guess what? Verse 9, this is next week. Verse 9, but it goes in and says, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. What God does for you is not just about you. It's about other people. The reason God will heal you, the reason God will fix things in your life is not just about you, but it's about other people. This is my prayer today as I close. My prayer today is that you embrace what God has for you. That you find the more that is in your life and that you hold fast to it 
that you hold fast to your faith, that you hold fast to what God is calling you to do, and you believe that, you know what, something in my life is going to change, and I don't have to wait for later, it can happen right now. It can happen right now. Because I serve a God that loved me so much that he gave his only begotten son for me because he wanted to fix a problem that I couldn't even fix myself. And so as a result of it, he gave his only begotten son so that I can have everlasting life. This is how much God loves you. You think God, if God loves you enough to give his own son for you, he won't give enough to heal you? He won't give enough to work some things out in your behalf? He won't give enough to make your family whole? If he wants your everlasting to be whole, what makes you think he doesn't care about now? God wants to fix all of our problems, all of our concerns, but we have to be willing to give it unto him. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for all the things that you've done. God, we thank you for how you've worked in our lives, how you've worked on our behalf. God, we're praying that right now, that shift, that transformation, that forget the frivolous motion, God, we want to be, begin to make a movement we want to go somewhere. God, we're praying right now that people who are sick, who are lame, that God, you heal them, not because I want you to, but God, because your word says you can. God, your word says that you can fix people who are broken. So God, as we come before you as a bunch of broken people, God, we're asking that you fix us. God, as we're here today declaring and decreeing that your word is truth, God, we know that you, you don't just say things to say it. God, we're believing that you can turn some disabilities into some abilities. So God, right now we're praying that you, you have your work, you have your way, that you hear the prayers of your people. God, we pray for those who are here today that have not accepted you as your personal Lord and Savior, that they do so right now in this moment. God, we pray that they accept you this moment, that they believe and confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus Christ was risen, that was born and risen from the dead so that we can have everlasting life. Father God, let them confess that with their mouth and believe it in their heart so that they can walk out the life of salvation that you've given us, so they can experience the first true healing that we all need, and that's through you. And God, and we move forward from this day forward, believing that whatever you've called us to, that we're going to be able to do it and become greater because this is what you want us to do. God, we pray right now for every person in this place as they leave here that they take your word and they first apply it to their life, but then they take it and share it with somebody else. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet. We got a few more.